0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, NA member FDIC.
1: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.
2: So, what should we talk about tonight, right? What, what, what should we talk about? Now, as we've talked about, first and foremost, let's get this out of the way before we even get into all the sports stuff. Um, got our first Ranger game tomorrow night, which means it's kind of the beginning of the interrupted season for our little program here. So, We're not going to be on religiously five nights a week, as you've grown accustomed to over the last couple of nights. You know, we're going to be still heard from, of course. We'll be popping in here and there, and on some nights we might do shorter shows or so on and so forth. So that is why I urge you to keep track of the old Twitter account, because we will keep you updated on a daily basis when we're on, for how long we're on and all those things, but tomorrow there will be no show for us because we have Ranger Hockey, Rangers against the Lightning, in the season opener, but we will be back on Wednesday for an abbreviated show at 7 o'clock, so that's what you need to know at least for the next couple of days for you and I as far as that is concerned. Now, you get to this point of the season, you know, middle of October, getting close to the middle of October at least, and in this town we've kind of been spoiled for the last couple of decades of at least having some sort of a baseball season still to talk about, right? And it's generally from the Yankees. Every so often, you know, the Mets will give you a fun ride out of nowhere, perhaps. But generally, you know, the Yankees are good for at least making the playoffs. So they could still be playing ball. The football teams, certainly in the last four or five years, have been a disappointment. And by the time you get to the middle of October, season's over. It's done. It's finished, right? You can already start worrying about draft positioning and scouting college players on Saturday because that's where your immediate focus is shifted towards. But this year it's been different, right? Both football teams won again yesterday. Both football teams between them are 7-3. and three. And two of the surprises, and including the Giants, the biggest surprise in all the National Football League so far through five weeks of the season. And it looks like, you know what, we might have a relevant football season a lot longer than maybe we thought initially and that's a good thing baseball you know what the Yankees were kicking back they had their feet up you know that they were playing October baseball but they got to buy in the first round because they won their division and they were one of the top two seeds in the American League great bring on the Guardians and we'll have more of that a little bit later on but this was really all about the Mets the last few days right and when you and I Last got together, at least on these radio airwaves, whether it was Thursday night, Friday morning, if you were with us when we did the earlier show for Greeny, and you were starting to size up this series against the San Diego Padres, I said, you know, you didn't win the division, you won 101 games, a lot to be proud of there, and you lost out on a tiebreaker, nothing more, nothing less. Well, there's a case to be made, certainly, that you were one of the best teams in baseball. And the way this team was conceived and it was constructed, it was all about the month of October and getting to the postseason. And more importantly, relying on the two secret weapons that you had that no other team in baseball did, namely, Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. Right? Didn't matter what happened during the regular season, didn't matter that DeGrom only made 11 starts as long as he was ready to go for the playoffs was going to be right with the world. Max Scherzer, yeah, he got sidelined a couple of times with that oblique. That's all right. Doesn't matter. Big game pitcher. World champion. Well, but what a sec. Didn't he wear down last year when he was a member of the Dodgers? Yeah, but that was last year. It's not going to happen two years in a row. Be fine. So you had that going for you. And he got an opponent in round number one in the San Diego Padres who had some nice players. You know, and San Diego went all in this year. All in at the trade deadline making those big moves for Josh Hader and Juan Soto and Josh Bell, yet the Padres still couldn't even find a way to win 90 games this year. And a lot of those guys that we just mentioned struggled as San Diego Padres, although they got it together a little bit here over the last few weeks. But generally speaking, as a whole, San Diego is not known for a rich winning tradition in their franchise history, right? Right. They hadn't made the playoffs in a full 162-game season since 2006 before this year. Plus, with this new format, the wild card round, best out of three, and all three are going to be at the same ballpark. And that would be the Mets. So you win 101. You just miss out on the division, but it's all right. You got all three games in your building. You got a warm-weather team coming to a cold-weather climate to play three night games. In October, chilly, seasonable, windy, all those things. And it's weather conditions that aren't really too conducive for hitting and for offense. So what does that mean? Edge to the pitching. And the Mets are supposed to have the superior pitching. Are they not? And despite the 101 wins, I said it last week, that if the Mets don't survive this series... The season means nothing. Season's a failure, and you could be my guest. I am not going to stop you. I am not going to stand in your way. As a matter of fact, I will unlock the door, and I'll let you walk right through it, and I will point you in the right direction if you want to use the C word to talk about how the last couple of weeks played itself out for the Mets, and the C word being collapse. That was all on the table. If they didn't take care of business against San Diego, all up for grabs. Because you know what? Deep down, I didn't think it would happen. I didn't, didn't. I watch a lot of baseball. You know, one of my other gigs, MLB Network Radio. Okay, I I, I watch these teams all year, day in and day out. Okay, seen enough of the Padres. I know these teams inside out. Know these players. And for the life of me, I just didn't think that that opponent had it in them to come all the way across the country and to at least win a series against a Met team that is supposed to be built for this time of year. Supposed to be. And what happens on Friday night? Friday night, Max Scherzer goes out there, and it's like 2021 all over again, except he's wearing a Met uniform. And not only that. It was more almost like 2007 all over again. That Tom Glavin was on the mound instead of Max Scherzer. And the opponent was the Florida Marlins and not the San Diego Padres. And it was a night game instead of a day game. How can you go out there in the biggest game of your season, the biggest game that you've pitched since putting on a Met uniform and basically have this team in a hole before you're even in your seat? Before he even sat down. You know, Friday night traffic, right? You know, maybe he didn't get home in time. And boom, before he even walked in the door, hey, what's the Mets score? Down 2 nothing. Really? Scherzer was pitching, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Seven runs. And he can't even give you five innings. So that set the tone right there. And all of a sudden, you, Darvish, look like the second coming of the old match Scherzer. So now you're up against the wall. Your season is on the brink. And now you got to give the ball to the other co in Jacob DeGrom. And you know what? DeGrom was not like his vintage self on Saturday, but it was good enough. The game took about five hours. And you still had to sweat it out because any Met fan that has watched this team for a considerable amount of time had to figure that when Josh Bell stepped up to the plate with the Padres down four runs at the top of the ninth and... The base is loaded. Didn't you at least have to have the thought pop into your mind like, hmm, the way things have been going over the last few weeks, can't you just see Josh Bell hitting one out of the damn ballpark to tie the game, right? I mean, anything was up for debate at that point. At least I did. But, no, they hung on. It took forever, but it still counts. Then you're like, all right, back even. One game to move on. You got it at home. Joe Musgrove pitching for the Padres. Remember, Musgrove pitched here on a Sunday night back in July, was at the game. Mets hit him around pretty good. Second time through the order, they got him. No issues, even though Musgrove is a gamer. And I said all season long, out of all these pitchers the Padres have, the guy that I would trust in a big spot, believe it or not, is Musgrove more than the others. Boy, did that come back to bite me, huh? But Chris Bassett was going for the Mets. I mean, Bassett wasn't great last week in Atlanta on Sunday night when they needed him. But you figure, all right, he's got that bulldog mentality, wants the ball. I feel good, feel comfortable enough that he's going to keep the Mets in the game at the very least and then give the bats enough time to get going to wait out Musgrove and to pull ahead, turn the game over to Diaz, and then you're getting on a plane. You're going out to L.A. for the second round of the playoffs. Nope. Nope. Didn't happen. Did not happen. So let's put it into like a, uh, a micro level here, right? Over the last week, the Mets played what amounts to six playoff games, starting with that Atlanta series, right? And then sandwiched between was three games against the Nationals. But if you go with the three games in Atlanta, the three games against the Padres here at Citi Field, they played six playoff games, and they lost five of them. That sound like a championship-caliber team to you? Biggest games of the year, they came up empty. Completely empty. 101 wins have never felt so meaningless, so empty, so small, ever. Ever and ever. I got to be honest with you. And you know, I've been trying to process this over the last 24 hours, really and truly. And the regular season, I get it. Baseball's long. It's really, really long. You play 162 games. And at the end, you are where you're supposed to be. They all even out. Like, if I have to hear one more time about the Cubs series, the National Series, the this, the that, and all the times they didn't capitalize against weaker opponents in September, that doesn't mean anything. Because as I said last week, you can go back several times throughout the course of a long 162-game season. I gave you a couple that jumped to mind immediately. The Philadelphia game in April in Philly where they scored seven runs in the ninth inning. They had no business winning that game. They lose that game nine times out of ten. That was almost semi-miraculous. The game in St. Louis where they scored four runs in the ninth inning all with two outs and came back and beat the Cardinals. They lose that game more often than not. So that's a couple of wins right there that they had in their pocket that should have been losses. So the division would have been out of their reach even earlier than it was if they didn't win games like that. So I don't want to hear about just what happened in September. Bottom line is, when the games counted the most, this team was nowhere to be found. Nowhere. And the guys that you relied on to get you over the hump in those moments, in those spots, were nowhere to be found. Nowhere. Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett. They lost five of the six most important games this team had on their schedule. And they know it. They'll live with it. They'll lead it. But it doesn't change the reality. The reality is, is that this team and the owner, who spent a lot of money, he didn't give Max Scherzer $43 million a year to be out in the first round and to not be one of the final eight teams still standing. And for him to come up small in the two biggest starts that he made as a New York Met, And I'm not killing Scherzer necessarily, not saying that he you know, opted, didn't want to pitch, and that he was weak. No, he just didn't have it. And then we'll spend plenty of time looking ahead to next year and what could happen next. But the bottom line is, right now, you look at this starting rotation, the only guy who's guaranteed to be back next year is Max Scherzer as far as the contract is concerned. And oh, by the way, he's going to be a year older. His name is Scherzer, not Ponce de Leon. So he can't feel good that all of a sudden you're going to snap your fingers, and when he comes to spring training, he's going to look like, you know, the three-time Cy Young winner, first ballot Hall of Famer. What an abrupt end. What an unexpected end. Those are the ones that sting the most because you didn't see it coming. And I'll repeat it, and I'll say it all night long. A hundred and one never felt so empty. Empty. Eight hundred nine one nine That is the telephone number. Want to hear from the Met fan? Pull up on the couch. Take a load off. Clear your mind. This is the Met therapy session. We're here all night. We'll turn our attention to the Yankees a little bit later on because we have to. They got a game tomorrow. Mets don't. We'll give them their due. We'll do the football as well. It's still an overreaction Monday. But unfortunately, a lot of the overreacting is, might be baseball-tailored more than football because, hell, what do you have to complain about if you're a football fan in this city? Nothing. Nothing at all. Things are great. And thank goodness for that or else I don't know how I'd be feeling right now. 800-919-3776. Met fans, the floor is yours. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN.
1: This is the Dan Grasso show on 98.7 ESPN.
3: <laughs> <laughs> visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
1: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI To connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
2: The trade deadline was a complete and utter failure as far as the Mets were concerned. The guys that they brought in, I didn't think they were aggressive enough. You know, too many singles hitters, you know, keep the line moving, that type of thing. Didn't work. Didn't work. You know, and then the guys that you did bring on, you didn't even think that they were gonna be reliable enough in these big situations for you. But you know, the other thing too is I I have heard a lot in the last couple of days, like, you know, the the people trying to take the overly optimistic slant on this whole thing. Oh, they're building something, they're building what what building what? Right? Like, how is if you're a Met fan, how can you sit here and say that you're building something? Like, this is only the beginning. How how do you know that? There's teams that have one season like this, and then they're never to be heard from again for several years after. And when you look at the makeup of this roster and the organization on how things are right now, first of all, you've got no high-level organizational starting pitching down in the minor leagues. None. None whatsoever that is going to like ride in here next year and save the day. I told you earlier, the two most important guys on this team this year, one is a free agent, and he's going to opt out of his contract, and he gives you zero, zero indication that he even wants to be here next year. And it's got nothing to do with money. You know the Mets will pay him, but he doesn't even seem like he wants to be here. And the other guy is 38 years old, and he's worn down at this time of year the last two seasons. So tell me right now what the Mets are building What can you exactly rely on? What, because Lindor's under contract for the next 78 years? Great. Tremendous. He was also in that lineup last night, right, that got one hit with the season on the line and the house on fire? Just checking. Just checking. And you know what? Really, you can't be shocked by this. You can't. Maybe in August, if you told me that this would be the outcome, yeah, I'd be stunned. I'd be floored. But not now. Not now. As I said, they played the six biggest games of their season, and they lost five of them. You got swept by the Braves, and all they had to do was win one of them. Win one of them. And maybe they would have at least had a chance to get that first round by and to save this division. And Scherzer gets hit around like a pinata on Friday night, making you think of Tom Glavin in 2007 unbelievable just unbelievable and last night one hit one hit they got Bobby Jones last night you know you think about all the star power that was in this series Max Scherzer Jacob just from a pitching standpoint Max Scherzer Jacob deGrom Blake Snell's got a Cy Young award let's not forget Hugh Darvish has been a successful pitcher so far in his big league career best pitcher in the entire series Joe Musgrove last night last night where was the offense where was the offense? Four for 23 with runners in scoring position in this series. Four for 23. And I don't know how you guys feel about the Buck show Walter thing. I was talking about it a few minutes ago with Michael and the guys. It just, it, it, it just, it was, it was like piling on. It's the sixth inning, okay? You can't get anything going on offense. And it's almost like, all right, We know that mano a mano, we can't step into the batter's box. We can't line up and beat this guy and and even get a sniff off of him. Even a sniff. Can't do that. So, you know, we're hearing things in social media and the television and everybody seems to think that, you know, his ears look a little funny and they look a little different. So let's go check and see if he's maybe got some stuff there because the spin rate is also too much for our hitters to pick up and our hitters to deal with. If you ask me, that was more gamesmanship than anything else, just trying to throw him off his game. Because some people seem to think that the Padres, stepping out as often as they did in the first couple of innings of the game last night, was to throw Chris Bassett off of his game. And to get him off of his rhythm. And whether that contributed to him walking the bottom of the order and then allowing a the ninth-place hitter to go ahead and drive in the first couple of runs, maybe, maybe not, don't know. He says it wasn't. Padres say that it wasn't anything, like, strategic on their part. But it was effective for them. So, is this the Mets and Buck Showalters response to that? Hey, let's try to get Joe Musgrove off of his game, right? We're in the middle innings, second time through the batting order. Maybe, just maybe. That'll be it. And that'll work. Would it? It didn't. Slowed up the game, right? Slowed up the game, but. No different in the outcome for the Mets. None whatsoever. And you get guys like Trent Grisham destroying you in this series. Trent Grisham, a guy who didn't even hit 200 this year, whether it was with the bat, whether it was his glove, the Austin Nolas of the world, like I told you, it just kept all piling on. And then it was like a snowball effect. And they had zero answer. I mean, you think about the regular, like, I'm trying to process the regular season. You play 162 games. You win 101 games. But right now, that means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Because there are teams right now that are still alive, still playing baseball, with a chance to go to the World Series, who had far, far worse regular seasons than the Mets did. Far worse. San Diego, okay, they beat the Mets. Philadelphia is still You believe Philadelphia is still alive? Seattle. They all won 10 more games, or won 10 games or fewer than the Mets. And they're still playing baseball. Atlanta, Houston, Dodgers, they were the only ones that had better records. They're still alive. And these other clubs, you're like, wow, they, you, know, you never thought of them as elite during the season, but they're playing, and the Mets are home. And the Mets are home. see what you guys think here 800-919-3776 that is the telephone number we'll get through this Corey and Carlstadt, first up here on 987 ESPN Corey how you doing
4: what's going on Dan uh I was supposed to be a New York extravaganza this weekend I went to the Mets game Saturday saw DeGrom dominate went to the Jets game Sunday afternoon great win then I sat on my couch and got disappointed but I you know I have I have two pieces of criticism for Buck yesterday the first mm. is why not pull Bassett in the second inning when the bases is loaded after he just walked them full? Clearly they were getting to his head with the calling timeout, and he was not on the same page with Nito. They, Buck had a quick hook for him in the Braves series a week before. Bases loaded. I understand it's a nine-hitter and, Nola, and Nola's up, but they've been hitting the whole series. They should have hooked. They should have took him out. The second thing is you brought up the checking Musgroves, right? Mm-hmm. I'm fine with them checking Musgrove because of the, the spin rates were up and he was throwing harder, fine. But he should have did it earlier in the game. And the sixth inning, at that point of the game, you're down 4 nothing. The crowd's out of it. You're not hitting. You have one hit. What's the point? It, it, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze at that point. What's worst? What, what, best case scenario, they throw him out of the game. Great. You're still down 4 nothing. It's not like they're going to give you runs. They're not going to forfeit the game. So what, you, what are you doing it that late for? If you were going to do it, do it in the third or the, or the fourth when, when, when it was still a game. At that point, it didn't make sense, and 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 to Gary Cohen's point after the game, it was an, it was an act of desperation, and and it it, it looked bad because if you were going to challenge it and, and do it, you better be right, and they weren't right, and it's you know what because, it was, Corey, you know, and and yeah. I don't
2: disagree with you, and I thank you for the phone call. It's almost like if you could appreciate it, it was almost like a loser's mentality, right? It's like we can't beat them fair and square. Like, we can't just step into the batter's box and hit this guy, which was pretty evident. So, now the only way that we're going to find a way to beat the Padres is somehow, some way, we have to get Musgrove out of this game because we can't beat him. That to me was an admission of defeat by him going out there. We can't win this game against this guy. So hopefully, the umps are going to find something that he's cheating or he's doing something against the rules, and they're going to take him out of the game, and then the bullpen will come in, and maybe we take our cracks against them, because we can't beat this guy. Can't do it. And this is a team that won 101 games. 101 games. It's funny, the Padres, they didn't have to go check and see, you know, if Max Scherzer was using anything or Chris Bassett was doing anything or, or whatnot. They just stood in the batter's box and they, and, they, and they bludgeoned them. Bludgeoned them. Friday was almost, it was almost surreal. I'm sitting there, I got the Met game on the one screen, I got Rutgers football on the other screen, and they're a disaster in their own right. Can't even beat Nebraska and have a 13 nothing lead in your own building, but that's neither here nor there. But it was almost like I was watching batting practice. Like, I, I, I couldn't even comprehend what I was seeing. This is Max Scherzer, one of the greatest pitchers of his generation. And a guy who, for the better part of this year, despite the absences on the injured list, was really, really good. And they were making it look easy. Easy. When he can't get out Trent Grisham, when he can't get out Austin Nolan, when he can't get out Jerickson Profar, it's like, what are we doing here? Really? Steve Cohen sitting there saying, you know, I know I'm a billionaire, you know, 10 times over. But $43 million for this? For this? 800-919-3776. What comes next for this team? Where do they turn to? Who'll be back? Who won't be back? We'll get into all those things. It's Dan Grasse on an overreaction Monday, 98.7 ESPN.
1: This is the Dan
3: Grasse Show
1: on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>
2: As I said a little while ago, you know, we can't beat this guy. we got to find a way to get him out. We can't knock him out of the game on our own, so we got to check for something else. And you know what? I don't even know deep down if this was something that Buck wanted to do. I'm sure that he's in contact with people upstairs or, in the, you know, that, that are seeing it on the monitor, getting a call down from, you know, the booth or whatnot saying, hey, you know, you might want to check this guy's ears. They look a little fishy. Television cameras picked it up. Social media is having a field day with it. They look a little bit different. And plus that spin rate, boy, we got it coming at a whole different number than what we're used to seeing. But the other thing I saw, too, in terms of doing some digging and finding some research about just the playoffs in general, guess what? Spin rates have been up throughout the entire postseason, not just in the Mets Padres series and not just last night involving Joe Musgrove. They've been that way league-wide. Why is that? You tell me. You tell me. Let's say hi to... Lou and Manalipan up next here on 987 ESPN. What's up Lou?
5: Hey, how's it going, Dan? Uh really really bittersweet day as a Jets and Mets fan. Um it's hard to to really enjoy that 40 point uh you know performance from the Jets when you know I'm I'm a lifelong Mets fan, you know, and you know these seasons don't they don't grow on trees. We don't we don't get these seasons. I've heard my dad talk about 88 and uh, the earliest memories of my life was '99 uh, and then and 2001, and, and you know the Mets. The Mets have this history of being disappointed, and this year it was like the easiest year of being a Mets fan. There were nights where I just didn't want to watch the game, and you check the score, and they're up four runs, five runs, no big deal. They're going to win the game, and for them to to do the things that they've done, you know. Uh, First off, my biggest problem is the trade deadline, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, we, we, we say we have a confident and, and a, a, a great, you know, feel for our management as far as Billy Epler and, and Buckshaw Walter, you know, are here. And they go out and get Daniel Vogelbach, Darren Ruff, and, and Tyler Naquin. And, and then and then they call up their, their prospects later in the season. And now what's, Mar- what's the end Waste of? Wasted goods. You can't trade that guy, you know? No one you know the answer is out on that prospect. So you know the the team just didn't do enough to to compete with them. Also, they got outmanaged. You know they have Juan Soto dropping bunts. The Braves had guys dropping you know bunts, playing hit and run against us. You know you can't get outmanaged in these situations. You got to be able to play some small ball. Thomas Nito, Thomas Nito can't get down a bunt on on Friday night. You know like we can't get down bunts. You know, this is a team that's supposed to be 101 wins, we're supposed to win a championship, we're supposed to be contenders. And they didn't show anything, they didn't show any life. You know, Saturday night felt like the greatest day ever. And for for them to show up, and, and, and shame on the fans for not filling the, the, the ballpark either, but for them not to show up with a little fire under their feet and, and, you know, go out there and try and get ahead and... and, and you know, show some gamesmanship, get out of the box, figure it out. You guys are professionals. You won 101 games. You should know more ways to win than the other team that had 80, what, 87 wins. It's just, it's embarrassing. It goes on a long list of disappointing Mets seasons and probably the most disappointing Mets seasons, you know, and that Scherzer thing, you hit it right on the head. You know, the fact that this guy, we gave all this money to this guy, the Dodgers couldn't get him to pitch the last three starts of last year. He was barely healthy at the end for us, you know, and he gets shelled in that game. You can't feel good. There's how many free agents, Dan? You know, where are we going to, you know, and, and yeah, we have a billionaire owner, but if you can't find every player in the no. league, excuse and, and, me, if and, I and can't you know say something,
2: Lou, think about this, and you make a lot of good points, and I thank you for the phone call. That's why everybody that's saying, oh, they're building something, they're, what are you building? What are you building? Look at your starting rotation. Like, this team, the strength of it was based on pitching. What is your rotation next year? Tell me right now. What's your rotation? Tywon Walker's got a $7 million player option. He's going to decline that because he can make more on the open market and free agency. Not to say he won't be back, but he's going to go free agent. Carlos Carrasco's got a $14 million team option. Are they going to exercise that next year? Did Carrasco in a big spot down the stretch show you he's worth $14 million? Or is he just an arm that you want once every five days? You know about the Grom. Bassett has a mutual option for 19 mil. He might decline that because he can maybe get more than that on the open market. So where's your rotation right now? You got Scherzer, you got Tyler McGill, and David Peterson. Wait, I'll call you back. I got to go order World Series tickets on that trio. You know, Lou also brought up something about the building last night and the crowd, and I have some thoughts on that. First of all, I wasn't there, obviously, okay? But somebody told me who was there Friday night. They said, and, and and just watching it on TV on Friday, the place looked pretty packed and pretty electric, but then the way that the game went in the first couple of innings, when Scherzer's getting hit around, yeah, a lot of the energy is going to come out of the place. But he told me Friday night, the place was dead before the game started. Like, there was no pregame hype, no pregame buzz. All right, whatever. Saturday, I couldn't tell you. I was at a wedding I didn't. I, you know, I'm watching the game sporadically on my phone. It's tough for me to get a feel for the crowd, the noise, whatever. But I'm sure there was some of that nervous anxiety there because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Your season's over if you lose, right? It's an elimination game. Last night, the place wasn't sold out. My only thoughts on that are: a. When you go buy playoff tickets, like when they put the playoff tickets up for sale, and I'm pretty sure with the Mets, the way they did it was. The wild card round, the division series, and the LCS. I think they all went on sale at the same time. If you're a fan, and these aren't cheap, these tickets, because I just went online for my own, you know what, just to see what they were charging. And the seats that I usually sit in, let's say during the regular season, I'm like, oh, how much are these, you know, for the playoffs? And I like, my eyes almost jumped out of my head because it's ridiculous, some of these prices. So that could be one reason the economics that people aren't buying the tickets. Number two, let's say. You know, you can't afford to go to a lot of games. You can only afford to go to one game. You're a big Met fan, you work hard, but you can only afford to go to one game because the prices are outrageous. Are you going to the wild card round? Because after all, this team won 101 games. They got the two best pitchers on the planet. They're supposed to go deep into October, maybe even a World Series. So if you can only go to one game, are you buying the tickets for the wild card round? Or even you're waiting to go to the Division Series or even the LCS? Right, so... I don't know how many fans were gobbling up wildcard round tickets. And furthermore, remember, game three was not even a guarantee to be played. I haven't heard anybody bring that up, right? It's a best two out of three. What happens if the series was one in two games? Then that game three is not even played, and Mets will sit on your money for however long it takes before you get a refund. So maybe some people didn't want to, like, go all in on a game three and... Like I said, for the price of those tickets, you didn't know that there was going to be a Game 3 until, what, midnight on Saturday? Pretty quick turnaround. It ain't like it used to be, folks, when it comes to attendance and ticket sales and fans. Times have changed. The world has changed. The economy has changed. And it's not just for baseball, too. It's any sport. 800-919-3776, 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. More Mets when we come back. We'll also do plenty of football, of course, on this overreaction Monday. Dan Grasso show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: This is the Dan Grasso show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>
2: Talking a little Mets, their season is over, 101 wins. You know, I think it was Lou who called from uh, Manalipin, and he brought up, you know, some of his earliest memories as a fan, and he referenced the 99-2000 teams, and look, those teams made the playoffs. And that's what I keep coming back to with, like, the, the regular season is misleading, right? Because if we're just going off of win totals, okay, the Mets won 101 games. You realize that there was only one other team, in the 60-year history of this franchise that won more games in the regular season, and that was, of course, the 86 team that won it all. You know, I, the 88 team won 100 games, and I remember the 88 team. That was a damn good team. That team could have easily won a World Series, right? But they fell short in the LCS against the, back when there was no wild card or anything like that. It was, okay, you won the division, you were in the playoffs. There were two divisions in each league then. They won the East. The Dodgers won the West. The Mets destroyed the Dodgers during the regular season that year. They won eleven out of twelve games, and then the Dodgers beat them in seven. And then they went on to win the World Series. But like that ninety-nine two thousand team, ninety-nine they won ninety-seven, and remember they had to play the extra game to win the wild card. They had that game against Cincinnati. Remember, Leiter pitched the gem, and then they went to Arizona. Ironically, beat Buck Showalter's Diamondbacks, but they at least won around and then lost the hard-fought six-game LCS to the Braves, who they couldn't beat. Next year, the 2000 team won 94 games only. They took care of the Giants in the first round, and then they beat the Cardinals in the League Championship Series because the Cardinals did them a favor by knocking out the Braves, and then they lost to the Yankees in the World Series. That 99-2000 team, it's weird. They had a different, you know, a little bit of a different makeup than this team did. It was almost like, you know, you had Piazza was a star, Alfonso was a damn good player, and, and so on and so forth. But it was almost like the sum was greater than the individual parts. And even though this team won a lot of games during the regular season, when, when you looked at them as maybe, okay, do they have what it takes come playoff time? Obviously, now we know they didn't. But if you're going to think back like, you know, 20, 30 years from now, you know, the teams from yesteryear with the New York Mets, you're going to think about the 2022 team that won 101 games. But if you still remember that 99-2000 teams, which ones are you going to remember more fondly? Got to be the 99-2000 teams. This team is just going to be like a footnote in Mets history, unfortunately. Who cares what you did during the regular season? You lost in the first round. Let's say hi to doo, 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 doo. OJ and Elizabeth up next here on 9870SPN. ESPN. OJ, how are you? Hello, OJ. Going once.
0: Hey, All sorry right. guys, I had oh.
2: I that connection. Sorry about that. What's up, OJ? How you doing?
0: oh uh, I wish I was doing better. Um, here's one of my, uh, you know, my biggest fights with this season. Um, yeah. One hundred and one wins, and you know, getting a lot of kick deals. 20 cash. Um, and a lot of it feels empty because of the fact that, you know, there was a lot of those wins where they weren't in situations, you know, to win with from the beginning. There was a lot of games that you brought up as examples where they were huge come-from-behind wins late in games that they had no business winning. So, yeah, you know, a lot of it was giving that, that vibe of almost miracle Mets-like and, oh, my gosh, this team could do anything. They can come back from anything. And I think that's one of the biggest letdowns is we, you know, even though we ended up losing that sweep, to atlanta i think the one that hurt us the most leading up to this was losing that you know getting swept by chicago that was a team that we had no business losing a sweep to let at least alone taking one or two games and at least taking that series from them and then having three games even as the wildcard team having three games at city field this is your home turf this is your battleground And you go out and you throw stinker after stinker, and then you have a great game, and then you have a stinker yesterday. And that hurts. It hurts as a Mets fan. It hurts as a longtime Mets fan. And it hurts as the fact that, yes, we get it. This is year one with Billy, and this is year one with Buck, and year two with Steve. Who knows what's going to happen? But, again, you're pointing out some great things. And I'm really scared that, you know, what, what, what moves, aside from, you know, the obvious one of, Oh, you know, go out and get Aaron Judge. Oh, you know, you throw throw the, you know, blank check at him. But what else realistically can the Mets do to to get in a situation where, you know, even if they're not a 100-win team again next year, what if they, at least they're a contending, you know, postseason team, unlike they were le- this year? This year they literally had – you're chatting out Darren Ruff, who's had one of the worst trade deadline – Awful. Like post-trade deadline Awful. stats. Awful. 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 Un- unplayable um, to the point where he was – OJ,
2: let's face it. The only reason Francisco Alvarez was called up, and I thank you for the phone call, and he clearly wasn't ready, is because Darren Ruff was so bad, right? So, I mean, what is, the, what is the prospects for next year? Are we just giving the catching position to Francisco Alvarez full-time? He's ready? Uh, is Brett Beatty the everyday third baseman? After what? Just a very small sample size of him getting called up this year? How do you know he's ready? What happens if Brandon Nimmo leaves as a free agent? You know, Brandon Nimmo's this guy, to be fair, somebody that I have done a complete 180 on. He was somebody that, you know, early on in his Mets tenure, whenever he was, like, attached to these trade rumors, I would be the first one saying, oh, get rid of him, trade him. If you could get this guy, get please. I've changed my opinion on him completely. That is a guy the Mets have to do everything they can to keep. To keep. But what happens if Brandon Nimmo leaves? You know, Brandon Nimmo, it's interesting. Last night, after the game, I don't know if you watched the post game. He stayed in his uniform a very long time. He even said he went out onto the field with his family after the game to take pictures, knowing that realistically it could be the last time he ever puts on a Met uniform. What if he leaves? Who's playing center field for you? Where are you finding these players? As I said, the the farm system right now is not abundantly rich when you're talking about the Mets. And you're going to be able to use some of those pieces to go get high-end talent, maybe in a trade from some other team around Major League Baseball? I'm not convinced about that. And Jacob DeGrom, God love him. You know, the guy was the best pitcher in baseball. I don't know if he's the best pitcher in baseball anymore. I don't know. I don't know what these 11 starts plus the one playoff start have told us about him. Because he was very hittable. And I know last year before he got hurt, he wasn't hittable. I don't know where his career... Maybe that DeGrom is gone forever. But if you're Steve Cohen and you're the Mets you got to ask yourself a question. If I'm going to give Jacob deGrom a blank checkbook, if indeed he wants to be here still, am I paying for the guy that won back-to-back Cy Young Awards and was going to be on his way to a third one last year before he went down? Or is this the new Jacob deGrom that we're going to see for the next four or five years? The guy who's good, but he has a problem keeping the ball in the ballpark. And he's pitching to somewhere around a three ERA, which is not best in baseball. But then the other problem you run into, look at the free agent market this year for starting pitchers, Justin Verlander. Is he going to leave Houston? Who knows? But Justin Verlander's 40. You know as well as I do that if the Mets sign him and give him a whole bunch of money, same fate that Max Scherzer suffered, it'll probably be Justin Verlander's as well. It'll probably be breaking down uh, multiple stops on the IL, and you can't rely on him when it matters the most. Carlos Rodon out in San Francisco is a free agent, a guy with arm trouble in his history, even though he made 30 starts this year. That's why. This was a golden opportunity that went by the wayside. Next year's success is not guaranteed. We'll talk more about it. We'll also do the football as well. It's an overreaction Monday till 10. Dan Gross's show, 98.7 ESPN.
1: Robert Half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.